Welcome to Slash MLS Season 2, Episode 4. I am Pete, user Punk Rock Pete, here with a uh, gallery of rogues. Hello, as usual, I'm Josh, user 97227ist. Did you get the numbers right this time? I, I hope so, man. I, <laughs> I The faster I say it, the less likely I am to get it wrong. There you go. Yeah. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm Ian, username <laughs> Armaskarhu. Yeah. And, I'm Dennis. <laughs> and I'm Dennis, my username is Denmark. Yeah. Dennis, you, oh. have the, you have the most common sense name of us. <laughs> Absolutely. But it, it's not the yeah. safest one to use. It's kind of nice to have some distance from your real <laughs> name and your, you know, your nickname, I guess. But yeah. it is what it is. So. All right, well, uh, jumping straight into it, guys, uh, I'd say one of the biggest pieces of news this week was the uh, half announcement of Miami coming to MLS. <laughs> yeah, you called that, Pete. Good job. You know, I, I felt like I was on the spot to come up with a prediction, and I wasn't super confident, but I felt like it was a 50-50. I'm glad it panned out. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I was right. I'm not glad it worked out the way that it did. I think we all probably would have liked to have a little bit more information. Maybe colors, crest, location, you know, name. something like yeah. that. Name, name would be great, <laughs> yeah. I was really excited to start hating whatever the Miami team was, but I, I guess I'll have to wait a bit. Yeah, that announcement was a huge waste of time. I'm uh, like, why did Don Garber even go down there? I, yeah, I don't know. I I was a little bit, not a little bit. I was a lot disappointed. I was also a lot disappointed in a lot of the questions that were asked of Don Garber. Like, like this. I remember this one Miami media member said something like. Do you think putting an MLS team in Miami is closer to your goal of making MLS the best league? And what is Don Garber going to say to that? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is a horrible idea. I wish we hadn't written that into his contract. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like MLS is trying to ride this crest of major announcements that we've seen over the last year. You know, from huge international signings to national players coming home and two new, uh, you know, franchises being announced. It's it's kind of, it, it was surprising to me, too, that Garber was there. I, I couldn't believe that they made such a big deal for kind of a, hey, this is the direction that we're going and hopefully it works out. It kind of worries me a little bit it, because it seems like all these big expansion announcements, it, it almost feels like a pyramid scheme or something, you know? Like they're keeping the league in the world's eye just by announcing new franchises, you know? So like, Wait, like MLS the last... and pyramid schemes? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, there was... Okay, so New York being announced was a huge deal, and then suddenly Toronto... Mm -hmm. Doing all of its players is a huge deal, and now and you know they're kind of like guys. We got to keep this going. Like Miami, what's next? You know, uh, the the DC Stadium. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, hey, hey, international was, news. That's I have nice just have that as international news. The thing that's got me the most karma was the DC United Stadium thing that I posted to RMLS before anybody else. So it was a big deal, and. 
back back then. I'm a little yeah. bit miffed. I'm a little bit miffed, <laughs> honestly, that Don Garber didn't go to our stadium announcement when he went to this stupid Miami thing. Well, I think the big difference here is that you have a household name like David Beckham, and I think the league's <laughs> purpose in doing this <laughs> is to, you know, where you, when you watch Sports Center that night, what was on on there? I'm, I'm a yeah. announcement, Miami Beckham, right? Yeah. I mean, it was a right. big advertisement. It, it got the word out to. I'm sure we got some people who never even heard of MLS who were just learning about the league that night, right? So yeah. anytime you have these yeah. big names and these big announcements, you got to get Garber out there. You got to get his face on TV. You got to get Beckham. And I mean, the reason people watch and care is because of Beckham. But the message at the end of the day is good MLS, you know? Mm -hmm. We're trying to do something. Here's our commissioner. This is what he looks like. This is his vision. And it's a big introduction. We've seen it as fans thousands of times over of MLS. But there's people out there who are just discovering it. And this is the way. MLS is doing it to get easy marketing, and it's a really smart way to market the league as a whole to the North American continent. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah, a good so, point. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, I, I was just going to ask whether your owner is an underwear model as well. <laughs> maybe if he was, the stadium announcement would be a bigger deal. So, yeah, no, Dennis, you, that's, you bring up a good point. I feel like... Uh, when Orlando was announced, and that's you know going to be an actual team, they they have a real starting date and everything, but that didn't make Sports Center because it's Orlando and no one really recognizable is is in that franchise at least not yet. Um, whereas this Miami probably got a lot of coverage on on the national media here, so that's. And I mean, you look at New York a couple of months back, right? I mean, maybe more than a couple of months at this point now, but. Uh, yeah, you look at that, and that's that's another good example. I mean, you got big names and big money there too. You look at the TFC announcements. I mean, I don't know if it's a national thing, but I mean, it was a pretty big deal for a lot of sports. You know, you're hearing Bob Bradley come over. So these little moves that they're making, they're they're big moves, and they're putting in a lot of money. But at the same time, they're getting a lot of good advertising and word out there. It's always good. So how do you guys feel then? You know, with obviously Beckham being the face of Miami and and the rumors that are swirling with LeBron James. Do you see that as being something that will drive new fans to the league and new fans to this Miami team, or is that just not enough crossover? I think LeBron James helps. He can only help because mm -hmm. he's built his brand into a much more significant much more significant place than, say, Kobe Bryant or Kevin Durant or really any of the basketball stars. I know he's a better... A lot. He's a better basketball player, but his brand is significantly better, more so than you know his play or whatever. I, I I don't. I really honestly have no idea how how that fits in because I I don't know that there's a whole lot of precedent. I mean, I know it'll generate interest in the NBA circles, and that I listened to a basketball podcast today that was wondering if LeBron's leaving Miami and if he has a stake in an MLS team. I'm. He's almost 100 percent sure. Or he's almost 100 percent not leaving Miami, but do people care beyond that that LeBron is into an MLS team? I don't know. I mean, I think LeBron is an interesting case because I think he's into the league as a whole. Um, I read reports that when Defoe's mother was in Toronto at a basketball game and Toronto was playing against Miami, the Toronto Raptors against Miami, LeBron actually went up to her like in between quarters or something like that. I don't know exactly when it was. and said, come to Canada. The people in Canada are really nice. I mean, you're going to have a great time here with your family. So I think he's helping more than one team, and I think he's more involved with MLS as a whole as opposed to maybe Miami, but I'm not sure that we're seeing that so much on the surface. I think in a couple of months' time, we'll see more and more of it. Because I think I've, I've noticed a trend coming with LeBron James 
a little bit here, a little bit there. I mean, you see his Twitter. He's talking about soccer from time to time. Not very often. It's rare, but it does happen. So hmm. can't hurt to have LeBron's branding and his his motivation behind MLS. And maybe when he retires from from basketball, that'll be a larger focus of his. So mm-hmm. that's not going to be bad. And uh, I think that talking about Toronto and uh, international superstars is a, a good segue for Dennis to uh, tell us a little bit about the news uh, up in Toronto this week. Okay, so uh, today's a perfect day to talk about it because Toronto had uh, its first media day of the year. Well, they only have one year, so it's the first one of the year anyway because it'll be the last one. But uh, it's where they get a... <laughs> right? It makes sense. Not Your grasp of logic is impeccable. <laughs> no, three hours of sleep will do that to you, so I apologize for that. But uh, yeah, we had media day today, and there's a lot of you know uh, outlets out there and the Canadian sports landscape that are getting different perspectives. And the, uh, the Cesar thing is really interesting because something that the club hasn't confirmed, but you can see that there is solid action in the direction... Because even uh, during the Bendik interview with Lee Godfrey today, the name was dropped and it was completely accidental. He said, you could see the second he said his name, he just, he froze. And, you know, they kind of avoided the, the fact that it was even said or anything like that. And it just carried on with Bendik and he said Bendik is going to be the starter for the year and stuff. And we know that not to be really the case anymore. So I, I mean, mean Bendik tweeted about it already. Right, and that's that's the thing is like the club itself. You have this weird thing where the club itself hasn't come out and officially said, "Okay, we got him," right? But Bendik saying, on the other hand, well, I'm really happy to be learning from a great guy. Great attitude from the guy, by the way. I don't think yeah, classic, say that, classic right? like, response. Way way to go with that. Like that's the right attitude to have, you know. That puts Laba in. If if Cesar comes over, then it puts Laba into. You know, with the cap, it's it's going to be tough to keep him. So people are talking, where is he going to go? Is he going to go somewhere else to MLS? He's going to go outside of MLS. Don't think that's going to be the case. Or are we just going to loan him? Which I mean, I'd be happiest with. Take advantage know? of the uh, the new interleague loan. Yes, 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 exactly. And just loan him out, and you know that way it gets him off the cap, and we're good. But again, it, it looks like it's happening. I mean, we've seen it from one, two, three, four places, right? So you can't keep the secret secret for too much longer. You just should come out and announce it. But like I said, the club has not come on and officially said anything. So, so I'm sort of wondering why everyone's concerned about Joe Bennett's feelings. Okay, so what what happened is uh, he got his start last year and he proved himself and mm-hmm. he kept it like he was the number two goalkeeper. Okay. You know? Broken noses happen, and then you're suddenly number one, and he ends up being better. So he, he earned his spot. A lot of people were concerned that after earning his spot, you know, getting a little bit of a raise, he was being paid the, I don't, I don't know if it was right at minimum, but it was under $50,000 last year. I know that for sure. Yeah. So, and I mean, he started for how many TFC games? I mean, at least 95% of them. So, if not all of them. Um, so, it's, it's hard, you know, like it's, and then you, you think you're starting this year and then all of a sudden big money FC comes in and, no, you you might not be the starting goalkeeper. He worked for that spot. He worked hard for it, and in the eyes of many people, he really does deserve it. So when when this was announced, there was a lot of concern that he might not be too happy, or you know, we've seen uh, people like Danny Kuvermans come out and say TFC is the worst team in the world, which you know I wouldn't blame him at the time. But so we were afraid that something like that was going to happen. But it didn't. He takes it in great stride, and it's it's refreshing to see. Mm. Especially I mean, assuming that he's, yeah. I mean, going to be picking up the second half of the season. I mean, exactly, and like that's that's the number one thing. 
too, is he's going to pick up extra skills, and he's still going to get in his playing time, right? And I think we've settled it with him because he has gotten a 50% race, so... I mean, he, he should be happy about that. I'd be happy about that, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I understand he he's still underpaid, but at the same time, he's, he's starting out. He's going to get better and better and better. The time for him to make lots of money will be there, you know? And, you know, when you have a chance to bring in Brazil's goalkeeper right before the World Cup happens, you kind of have to do it, don't you? You can't say no, right? Like, yeah. It's, yeah. That's an offer you don't refuse, so... And what's the general feeling in Toronto, just among the fans, as far oh, as that? So that... much, like it's it's so exciting right now. It's it's like year one all over again. It is absolutely fantastic to be a fan right now. Like yeah. uh, like I mentioned last time, uh, last year, not much interest going to those matches every week, you know, or every two weeks. And this year, it's like I'm uh, like I can pick up a ticket. Last year, we bought tickets, extra tickets for a couple people for three dollars a piece. For you know, wow. because it was being rained out. So I mean, that's how bad it was at one point. And we went to that match, and then attendance was announced at like seventeen thousand people, and you could see in the stadium there was like eight thousand. Just the whole stadium just erupted in laughter, right? So that was the state. <laughs> that was the state of the the TFC team last mm-hmm. year, and the whole you know, MLSC's uh, hindrance of the past couple of years. And now finally things have changed. I mean, you've really seen a huge change there, and people are excited. So I'm just I'm worried that people might be overly excited because it's going to take a little bit of time to build up, you know, mm-hmm. a cohesive team that actually can score. You know, I don't expect game one to be you know be blowing people away or anything like that. But I'm hoping in by you know game ten, game eleven, start to see you know a really good team put together, and that'll be very exciting for the city because the city hasn't had too many winning franchises as of late, and the CFL doesn't really count. So. I'm gonna anger many people with that, but that's that's how I think the general population feels. So yeah, what do you what do you think of Ryan Nelson as a manager? That's that's the only question mark at this point. I think all uh, the other okay. pieces are in place. Um, I'd say with the perform what he's done last year, I think he's shown that even with the pieces he didn't fully have, he was able to. I mean, he didn't finish a league great, but there were a lot of late. You know, three points that got reduced to one, and that got reduced to zero because of late goals in the last 15 minutes. And that was a constant trend for Toronto last year. Mm. It was very painful to watch. If it was a little bit different, and if he had some of the pieces in place that he had, I think it would have been a whole different outcome. And now that he does have those pieces in place, he's got the players, he's got the staff to support him. Um, if he doesn't do it now, then let's get rid of him at the end of the season. Mm. But I think it's worth giving him a shot because he's shown last year that you know he. He maybe he didn't know what he was doing at the beginning of the year, but he's starting to pick up. And his defensive mind is brilliant. So I think that's something that, especially with TFC's back four, will um, really help out with. And real quick, Dennis, uh, just what's the feeling? Is there any concern about continuity in the goalkeeper situation? I mean, obviously everyone's excited mm-hmm. about bringing in, you know, a, a World Cup keeper. But is there is there any concern about what that's going to do during the the cup break and after? I think it's it's too early to speculate. Um, I think until we actually see some of those preseason matches and see what happens with you know how the team is playing and then how it starts to flip flop back and forth when when Cesar comes in when he doesn't. I mean, there's a lot of questions up in the air at this point, so it's hard to say. But um, I do I do see what you're asking, and I do see you know I do see the the situation that could arise where there could be some instability because of goalkeeper changes, but. What happens, I mean, the pieces aren't even in place yet, so to speculate that far down the road is, is hard to say. 
but yeah, you're right. They're, they're, that's something to look out for, definitely. Okay, okay. Well, uh, while we're talking about uh, World Cup players, Jurgen Klinsmann made some comments this week about the uh, U.S. team and their apparent lack of belief in themselves. Where are we falling on that, guys? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with what Klinsmann said. I gotta defer to the judgment of of, of Jurgen here. I mean, he, he he knows better than any of us talking about it. What is going on in the minds of of the soccer players themselves? What's going on in the minds of of all of the people in Europe who are keeping Americans down or keeping them out? Which I th- still think is a perception that is not invalid. Americans are severely undervalued, underrated in Europe. Possibly more. I, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say possibly more than those from any other nationality. Um, that that it comes down to belief is, you know, he might be right. Um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say he probably is right. Uh, wh- whether or not that matters, whether or not he was targeting certain people like Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey, might motivate them. It might not. I don't know. That would maybe that was his purpose. Maybe it wasn't. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I I do defer to his judgment though. I think that's a good point that you raise. I mean, obviously it doesn't have to be one or the other, but do you see this more as a statement being made for the player's benefit and not just Jurgen being honest? Is it, do you think it's more of a, a pointed attempt to to put that in their minds and shake it up rather than just saying what he believes? Yeah, I think so. I think he wants – I think he sees someone like Josie Altador possibly – Giving up on Europe after this season in Sunderland, and he says, "Look, you you just got to stick it out. You got to believe in yourself. You got to push yourself and get into Champions League the best way you can." He sees Tim Howard stagnating at Everton and says, "Try and get yourself to a bigger club." You know, he's going to see maybe if the United States comes out of this World Cup and does pretty well, maybe makes the quarters or something. You know, maybe some Americans garner interest for those first couple of months in that in that transfer window that happens after the World Cup and and. He wants to instill in that belief today that you can play in Champions League. You have the quality to play in Champions League. You just need to believe. You need to be able to kick somebody out. That's a national team player that also played in the quarterfinal team in the World Cup. You know, that's that's the kind of belief that you need to have. And I I have that belief in you. You need to have that belief in yourself. Yeah, and I think there's something. I mean, <clears throat> there aren't that many American players who are playing in the Champions League. Um, I don't know that there's a lot of argument that the what you see in the Champions League is the best soccer that exists on the planet. I mean, it's the yes. be- it's the best team play. You're going up against the best organized, best drilled, best coached, most talented teams. If you can do well against those defenses or against those attackers, or in goal against those teams, you have literally nothing left to prove. Um, and it is a shame that there are very few Americans who are getting that opportunity. You know, Altidore at Sunderland, it's, I mean, it's going to be a minor miracle. I mean, Sunderland's been looking a little bit better lately, but they're still do very well to not end up in the championship. They've got no shot at, at winding up in Europe. And, and I think there's, maybe this is me just reading into it a little bit, but, you know, there is a big payday in the Premier League, and there's a big payday in MLS, but... Outside of a few teams in the Premier League, there's not a lot of great passing, really defensively, tactically savvy teams in the Premier League uh, for somebody to slot into. I mean, you've got a couple teams that are really good, but there's not spaces for Americans in those. And I and I wonder if, you know, <clears throat> Roma. I I really liked the way Roma played. I mean, it's not always the most exciting game, but it's really tactically savvy. It's a it's a very smart pressing game, really good counterattacking game, and, and I wonder if you know teams like that that are not as, incre- as, as high profile in the international 
landscape as teams that you see in the Premier League, but I wonder if teams like that is maybe more what Klinsman wants to see people do. I mean, you know, there are, there are a lot of very good soccer playing sides in Europe that aren't huge names, but that, that play incredibly well, and, and I think that being on teams like that is going to do more for somebody's development as, as a player than they can find anywhere else, even being at a club or in a league that's a little higher profile, and, and I... So I, I take his point, and, and I think it's a really interesting thing to think about when you know, you're know you weighing like being on television and getting a lot of money and growing your craft and, and, you know, and building yourself as a player, which I'm an abject player, so I have no deep knowledge of what that looks like, but you would imagine that spending time on a really savvy footballing side... Um, you know, like you see in kind of the middle tier in, in Spain and like you see in Italy and like you see to, to a large degree in the Bundesliga and, and in some of the French teams, not so much anymore. Um, but, you know, I, you've got to think that if you're a 24, 23-year-old player who really wants to test himself and, and see how you can grow, that's got to be the place that you've got to be looking. And Michael Bradley, he's 26, and he left... Roma for a variety of reasons, one of them being that they had brought in a couple of people in the central midfield to compete with him, mm-hmm. and maybe suddenly he wasn't going to get playing time, and also Toronto was offering him $5 million more. Yeah. Um, I, I and think, nobody's going to, and I don't blame him for doing that at all. Absolutely. I mean, I but, there's anything wrong with that. But I think that's who Klinsman is looking at. He's saying, you know, you can push, you can push past those guys. They might be bringing those guys in for competition, but you can, you can beat them. And you know, if Roma keeps doing what they're doing this year, you might end up in Champions League next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't happen. And now Michael Bradley's back in America. And by the way, he's making about six times what he was in Italy, which that was the biggest, like the second biggest surprise to me with the Toronto. Bradley thing was that he was only making a million dollars at Roma. That was kind of weird to me, and only proved to me the the whole undervaluing Americans thing in Europe. I mean, I feel like Bradley was worth a lot more than that. It should so. also be noted, though, at the same time, if you look at the state that Toronto FC was in at the end of the 2013 season, you, you're going to have to offer a lot of money to get a player of that caliber of Michael Bradley's to come over. I mean, it's you're not going to be, you know. He's not yeah, going to come over for a million five if he's getting paid a million. You know? and, gotta... and, te- and teams in Italy are not crazy flush. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. throwing around the kind of money that you see, you know, PSG, Man City, Little League in, in La Liga or in the EPL. Like, they, they those those teams are, don't have that kind of money um, to be just giving everybody $100,000 a week. So, so it's made... I mean, it is, yes, he was not, you know, he was being undervalued, but also... I don't think it's like he was making a quarter of what somebody alongside him was making. Yeah. I don't know because they don't publish any of that stuff. But. I, I think that's fair. Anything else to say on the uh, national team? Yeah, um, just from my perspective as a Canadian, um, I think it's a psychological thing you guys are talking about. And psychological things are, are super important, don't get me wrong, but I think at the same time the discussion is is uh, – it's. People are overselling it almost. I don't want to say they're overselling it, but it's being blown out of proportion. That's what I'm looking for. I think it's definitely worth noting and you know take have you know discussion to make sure that your players have confidence, they have a good psychological state when they're hitting the field. But at the same time, you don't have to overthinking overthink it because overthinking it can lead to the opposite thing of having you know great self belief. So I think the conversation just needs to be short and and good around it. But don't don't overthink it, guys. We we want to see you do well too. You know. I also think that it's just a strong and, and kind of 
current theme in American sports media. There's been so much talk about the Seahawks and the attitude mm -hmm. and Pete Carroll and what he brought to that team and how much that contributed uh, you know, not to undersell those guys or their talent. Obviously, they're a very talented team, and I'm not sure how much of that translates to MLS, but I think that it's just a theme that the sports media is really harping on in America right now. And since we're talking about the American team, you know, we've got this this example mm -hmm. so recently that it, I agree. I, I think that it might be a bigger story than, um, you know, we're making it. it the, the issue is that, you know, every World Cup team has players that are playing at the club level. They're not a club team. They don't practice year in and year out in the same facilities and, mm -hmm. and, and build that chemistry, but every country in the world has to deal with that challenge. So why is it different for us to, you know, have to, to feel that way? Yeah, that's that's the way I feel. Don't ignore it, but, you know, consider it, but don't, you know, overthink it at the same time. I think that's a, that's a fair way to put it. I think what you're saying is right, is the chemistry – Getting the chemistry together is very important because you do have a lot of players who are outside of, you know, different teams playing together. But just a matter of getting it together. And yeah, like I said, we want you guys to do well because you know MLS. It's good oh, for MLS thanks. at the end of the day. So. Aww. I know. Aww. That's so that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> then let's uh, let's keep talking MLS. Uh, we've got uh, some more previews to do of of teams for our upcoming season. Hey, speaking of a team with maybe not the most amazing talent, but a very well-coached team. I've got my Portland preview, which I'm, which I'm going to try to keep short. So is everybody nestled in? You ready yeah. for this? Um, uh, got my hot cocoa. Yeah, good, 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 good. Um, no, so, I mean, obviously last year was a, was a really good year for Portland. It was a good building year because, um, honestly, the team and facilities, uh, well, the facilities were largely ready, but the coaching staff and a lot of stuff around the team in 2011 and 2012 were so poorly constructed that really last year was like a building year rather than a rebuilding year. Um, but it was a very it was a very successful building year. Um, there's, you know, a lot of energy and enthusiasm around the club. Um, a lot of extremely high expectations that people have because they finished first in the West. And um, looking forward to this year, they do have a stronger team than they had last year, without a doubt. Um, but for a couple reasons that I'm going to go into, I don't think that they're going to do that much better than they did last year. They may even do worse. And I think that 54 points is not going to be top of the West come, what is it, end of October, beginning of November this year. Um, I do expect them to do kind of around the same thing that they did last year. I mean, in terms of, you know, probably not losing a lot of games, probably drawing a fair number of games. Um, but uh, to look at last year really quickly, Portland had a couple catastrophic injuries in their back line. So they started out with this guy, Mikel Silvestre, who's an older EPL pro, and a guy, David Horst, um, who was a younger but very talented player. And both of them went down with season-engine injuries pretty early on. Um, yeah, instead of building from the back, they, they wound up playing a lot more counterattacking football and grinding out a lot of close draws or really close wins. And Donovan Ricketts was keeper of the year last year. He's going to be a year older, but he really held, you know, without him, without him making a lot of remarkable saves three points could have been one point, and one point could have been zero points. Three points could have been zero points as well. He really bailed the team out. He's going to be a year older going into this, and, and I think that 
Portland's luck that they had last year is is not going to is not going to carry through to the season coming. The good news is they're a much stronger team. So they brought in a new Argentinian center back whose name is Noberto Paparetto, which I think is a, just a great name. And he's a very, very good passer. He's strong. He's about 6'4". He's very comfortable in the slide tackle. He's a very good passer. They also paired him up with a guy, Pamadou Ka, who is, I think, unanimously the least likable player on the Timbers. He's, he's the one who is most likely to kick someone in the head and just generally act like a complete lunatic. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> I think they'll be a lot stronger at the back. Um, I think the, the core of the team that was there... In the center, um, with Diego Valeri, Will Johnson, Diego Chara, that's all going to be the same. We've brought in a new attacker, a guy named Gaston Fernandez, who's an Argentinian, and we've brought in, in the middle of last year, and I think the most bizarre trade last year, an impact-designated player named Max Arruti from Toronto. And I, I, Dennis, do you have any idea why they brought him in and then bailed on him <laughs> right away? I don't know. There's some something inside stuff going on there that I don't think I have an answer for you, but he uh, didn't even play a half, so... Yeah. <laughs> he actually... He is a, he is a good player. Um, he's great, he, right? He, he's an upgrade over Ryan Johnson. But which he's you also same, got from us. <laughs> which we also got from you guys. Um, but they're the same, they're the same kind of players. Yeah. Like, so... The, the same weaknesses that Portland had last year where if you can park a good defensive midfielder at the front of the box and really stop them, like we saw Salt Lake do when they got stomped in the playoffs, that's, that's still going to work again. I think they're going to be um, less reliant on long balls into the box, but they're still going to be reliant on trying to play right through the center because we still aren't going to have any really solid wingers. So, you know, there's... I, I was listening to the Soccer by Ives podcast, and he said that Portland is his pick for the MLS Cup this year. I, I would bet many valuable objects that that's not going to happen. I think that they will have a good season, but I think you know the same weaknesses are there with that team. Um, they're going to they're gonna play very well. They're going to play some very pretty soccer, and I'd be really shocked if they don't make the playoffs, um, but I also don't see them being first, uh, and, I, and I certainly don't see him lifting the cup. Because LA is going to be as good or better. Um, Seattle is going to be a, a better team unit. At least they've looked like that in their, in their preseason games. Um, Salt Lake is not going to get that much worse. They may be a little disorganized without Jason Crace there, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be you know, anywhere near the cakewalk that a lot of Timbers fans seem to be imagining that it is. So my prediction, second or third. Okay, and uh, I want to ask two questions of you. Number one, did you have you had a chance to see uh, Gaston Fernandez in the preseason games? Yes, and he and is very, very nimble with the ball at his feet. He is a he is a he is a pickup of a player, not as a designated player. He looks to me like he belongs on the Timbers. Watching yep. him play, he just fit the style. I mean, despite the small stature, it's obviously not his his forte, but it. It looked like he was exactly who you should have picked up. I was I was impressed and scared. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about it's one of the things that we really like about Caleb Porter. You know, and I can speak for lots of people on this is that you know it feels like there's a project going on. So when you lose a game or when a guy comes in and doesn't work out or you get an injury and you know we had a stretch where we lost a bunch of games in the middle of last year and we all thought well this is 
this is part of this project that this guy's doing, and, and there's enough trust in him that he is doing something. And you can see it with the players that he brings in. Like, Fernandez looked comfortable right away. Paparato looked comfortable right away. Um, Silo Schuma, who was a kind of miraculous pickup in the draft, was rated to go a lot higher and didn't go higher, but he looked very comfortable right away. Porter's picking players for his system, not picking his system based on his players, and it it feels good to watch, you know. And that's and that that will get him a lot of credit, even if he does have a bad season this season. Okay, so final question for you then is: uh, you say you don't see see lifting the cup. What about uh, supporters' shield chances? Do you see a deep open cup run? What's your what's your worst case, best case that don't involve MLS Cup? Um, Supporters Shield, I don't think that they have the depth to do that, especially because they're going to be competing in the, the CONCACAF Champions League as well. So that's more games and a lot more travel. Open Cup, you never know. Honestly, MLS playoffs, you never know either, but I don't see them sneaking past Salt Lake, you know, if they have to play them. Another thing I, sh I should mention in the Supporters Shield is that Portland's schedule this year is very, very difficult. They play at Salt Lake twice. They play at... Colorado twice, which is tough to play at altitude. Um, a bunch of teams that were very good that came to visit last year, Toronto, New York, they're going to play at this year. So it's it's a very hard schedule. Um, somebody was putting together the numbers and figured that it was one of the three hardest schedules anybody could have. So I think that, that means that a supporter shield is not particularly likely for them either. Open Cup, you never know. Now, when I look at Portland, there was a thread recently on RMLS about historical moments and at one point I tried to get into an argument with Matt Doyle about who the early 90s <laughs> who early 90s DC reminded me of and what I said was the early 90s DC reminded me most modern team was last year's Portland Timbers um, and I think this year's Portland Timbers might even prove me more correct y'all have got your bunch of South Americans in Diego Valeri. Valeri's like your Echeverry, and maybe Aruti will be like your Jaime Moreno, and now you've got Gaston Fernandez. Um, you've got a bunch of really solid players, none of whom are, are really standout stars, but a lot of them who could or should be playing on their national teams, um, like Donovan Ricketts. And, he, well, he does play on his national team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think you have uh, one of your Defenders Harrington, who's getting yeah. national team call-ups call now. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm really excited to see what Portland does this year for for that reason, because early '90s DC was for several reasons. The first being that they are my favorite team. Uh, the second being they actually played really pretty. Um, yeah. They're they're among my favorite in MLS history as far as watching watchability. So I'm excited to see what Portland does. I think uh, Portland's like everyone's second MLS team. But they are they are a very like they're like a combination of most of the players being seeming very, very likable and approachable in the way that they play and the supporter culture around it. It is a very likable team. Um, and you know, I, I think that helps bring players in. So there's kind of the combination of like Caleb Porter and his vision of things and then people seeing the club it, you know, the, Portland is never going to have the money to compete with Toronto or Seattle or New York or LA or when they come in New York or Miami. But I think if they can keep that feeling around the club, they'll continue to be able to attract very good players and you know, it, it bodes well for their future. Yeah, you've got, you, you've got a bunch of likable players and Will Johnson. <laughs> and Will Johnson. 
Will Johnson's, you know, Will Johnson is a very likable guy. MLS is a really physical league, and it's one of the things where you get these, like, there's a style of play in the central defensive midfield that is so single-mindedly destroyer-like. With you know, Ozzy Alonso is the same way, where you just see somebody who's you know never going out to like hurt anybody, but going out to distract and annoy and intimidate, just irritate see, I, anybody I see. in the middle. And that's and that's I, I I think it's something that a more physical league is going to allow. You don't see that in Spain. Nobody plays like that in Spain. You're not allowed to. Um, I see I see Chara and Ozzy as more analogous, <laughs> and for me, Will Johnson is the one who's more of a head game guy. You know, it's it's not his tackles I'm worried about. It's it's the the way he gets under skin, the things that he says when no one's looking. You yeah, know, how the, many how many red cards has he incited in his career? Seriously, in the last couple years? <laughs> how is yeah. how is it that two guys in a row were suspended for three games for dropping homophobic slurs to the same player? I, I I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I think I think he's an insider. I, I respect he, Diego yeah. Chara. He's not my favorite, but like you said, he's a destroyer. He has the same mentality yeah. as Ozzy. I get that. Yeah. But Will Johnson's hard to like from obviously a rival standpoint. Huh, okay. Yeah. He. I mean, the thing about him is that, you know, he was one of the guys who was really instrumental in making that whole uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation game thing happen. So, uh, you know... I don't. I guess I see weird things happening around him, but with the exception of the whole incident with Mark Birch, and then with him, you know, I mean, with Alan Ozzy Alonso and Ozzy Alonso. Well, but, yeah, but so Ozzy Alonso, so Ozzy elbowed him in the face after Will bumped into his back, which you know, I I think it's obvious that he was instigating that, and he was looking for some reaction, and it was, you know. It, it's a gamesmanship to a degree. The thing with Alan Gordon, I have no idea what happened because it really wasn't, you know, they, they like, got up off the ground in proximity to one another. It was not like they went chest to chest and were yelling See, at each other. See, that's why I say it's not a physical thing. I think yeah. Will Johnson is a master of head games. I think yeah. that I think he's good at, at snarky language and cutting to the core. I'm, obviously, there's no mics. We're not hearing it, but yeah. it really seems like a mental thing with him and not so much a physical thing. Yeah. So, so I, let me let me bring in a, 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 a an NFL comparison. So is he like the Steve Smith? Carolina Panthers receiver of of the Timbers, or maybe. or the To, or the Deion Sanders. Or... Well, because the thing with the thing with <laughs> the thing with Steve Smith is that he almost always gets his the cornerback who's covering him to commit a personal foul at some point in the game. Huh. I, you know, I don't know that much about the NFL, unfortunately, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I I will say, um, you know. His his banter and you know head games with other people aside, he had without a doubt his career season, and I think his partnership with Chara is going to remain as strong defensively. You know, I don't see him, you know, getting a, a, a cross in off of his chest and then volleying it to himself and putting it into the goal. I mean, that was you know he scored seven goals last year career high by a mile. Um, I don't I don't see him playing like that again, but I do see him remaining defensively, um, being a defensive pillar and remaining in the midfield, and, and he and Chara have a great understanding. Um, yeah, he's clearly a crucial player. I mean, you know, all of the antics aside, like, he was on my fantasy team half the year, so. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, I, I think, 
I think that the the recipe, what you saw last year, is going to be the same this year coming up, um, and that's both good and bad because it's it's a plan and it's great to have a plan, and it's also bad to have a plan because people know what to expect. And so I, I I think I'll be curious to see how the year plays out, and I would love to be proved wrong, but I would be shocked if they finish the year with any silverware. Okay. Well, thanks uh, thanks for that. And Ian, uh, you want to give us a counterpoint on the. Uh, East Coast side of things. Yeah, this this week I assigned myself the Revolution, and I know we talked a little bit about the Revolution last week. Um, and there, I'm definitely I know I'm a little bit higher on them than you guys are. And as I search research, I'm a little bit higher on them than apparently their fans are, which isn't necessarily a good thing. They lost a couple big players. They lost uh, Juan Agudelo. Obviously, that's that's the big one. He's in England now. Um, they also lost. Uh, their goalkeeper, long, long time goalkeeper. He's been their goalie since I think the he might have even been their goalie since the nineties. Um, in Matt Reese, um, but honestly, their their best player, uh, Jose Gonzalez, the center back who had a career year last year, looking to improve this year. But the thing with him is there's been this really weird contract dispute, and I think that's why a lot of Rose fans are a little bit. Hmm. pessimistic um, and it's weird because he makes $450,000 a year which um, other than Omar Gonzalez I think is he's the highest, highest paid center back in the league even more so than Matt Bietzer who's going to go to Brazil this year um, and I read this I don't know three it must have been like 3,000 word article by this guy Sean Donahue the article is called Dissecting the Gonzalez Situation it was written about a, a half a month ago and basically it's the New England FO front office is kind of cheap, but they are sort of paying him what he's worth. And Jose Gonzalez is sort of a weird person because he spent a lot of years languishing in Europe, languishing in, in places like Switzerland, and, and now he wants a little bit more money or he wants to go somewhere else. He wants to test Europe again maybe. Um, so a lot of New England fans are really worried that he's going to quit on the team and he's going to go to England. He's going to have some sort of uh, – Oh, who was that Vancouver guy? Alan Rochat, who was traded to D.C. and then forced himself to Switzerland. Um, they're sort of worried that that might happen. If that doesn't happen, though, New England's looking up. They're a very young team. They're one of my favorite teams to watch. Honestly, I thought New England sporting Kansas City last year was sort of the underrated playoff series of the year. Um, I, I really enjoyed how New England put together attacks. They had a lot, lot of pieces. They had Diego Fangudnes, they had Agudelo, they had Lee Wen, they had Kellen Rowe, they had Sire Sen, um, they had Dimitri Mbongo occasionally. Now they've added to that um, Patrick Mullins from the draft, who was the number consensus number one pick at some point before the MLS draft happened. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, and they've also got that designated player who's been a bane on them and Jerry Bankson. Um, but New England fans are a little bit optimistic about him going into the year with the preseason happening. Um, so maybe you've got sort of a Boscovich. That's the guy. So maybe we've got a Boscovich situation with Bankson. We'll see. They also picked up this guy Newman from the draft. Uh, pretty MLS ready. Sort of similar in that sense, to DC's Birnbaum and and Philly's goalie, maybe less and less ready, but New England's pretty ex- expecting pretty big things from them. Other than that, though, Jay Hapes is still our coach, another MLS former MLS player who's done pretty well for himself in the coaching ranks. Um, a lot of good young talent. One of the rookie of the year candidates, and Andrew Farrell out right back, who can um, people are 
are hoping he'll eventually pair with Gonsalves if they keep Gonsalves happy. Um, one of my favorite names in MLS in O'Brien Woodbine uh, <laughs> as, their, as their backup right back. Um, that's, and that's... Uh, I mean, I would say that there's also uh, a, a pretty large expectation on Kellen Rowe this year. Oh yeah, he was he was great last year. I think he's about 20, 21 years old. He was fantastic last year. He he might have been one of the fastest players um, in in the league. Uh, he was short. He was really maneuverable. He could he, he made devastating runs. A lot of a lot of his goals came off of back post runs where um, it looked like the attack was going to fade. But oh look, there's Colin Rowe. Oh, and now they've scored, and now it's four to nothing. Yeah, um, and it. it, it I'm expecting big things from him, and I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table. Me too. I think, uh, you know, he's got, uh, in addition to blinding pace, you know, he's got a great shot. He seems to he's, – he's one of those guys that has that really quality soccer IQ. You know, he just really seems to be able to anticipate the game and, you know, always good positioning and awareness of what's going on around him. I, I also see big, big things out of him, you know – it's fun for us to watch uh, up here in Seattle because he is a local boy. He comes out of Federal Way, and uh, you know I would not be shocked to see him in the national team. You know, a couple of years down the road, so that's pretty exciting for us. Absolutely. Um, one thing I did uncover that's really exciting for New England—they're putting in new turf. Oh wow! And it's going to be good turf. It's going to be similar to Portland's turf, and uh, Josh seemed to run away for a second, but Portland's turf sort of reminds me more of grass than it does uh, Seattle's or, or New England's old ones, so that's another reason why New England fans are a little bit pessimistic because they're going to be like, oh man, we have to play Thierry Henry at home now, and now we're going to have to play all those important players who didn't want to play in New England's concrete, so right, right. Um, that'll, that'll be interesting to see. Where so, do you see them at the end of the year? I think they make the playoffs. I think um, between them and DC for that last playoff spot, um, people are high on Philly, but I'm not so sure yet. Um, I, I'm thinking obviously Kansas City's up there, uh, obviously New York's up there. I, I got to put Houston just because of pedigree. I think Montreal's going to be terrible. Um, I'm not excited about Chicago. I'm not excited about that organization in general. Um, so I think it's going to be one, two, three, four. Um, Kansas City, New York. Houston, Toronto, and then between T DC and, and New England. And honestly, I like I'm excited for DC signings, but I'm not optimistic about making the playoffs. So I think New England beats us out. Interesting. That's a that's a bold statement. I mean, yeah. I, I agree with you, but it's it's got to be tough, you know. To I mean, they're sort that. of they're sort of like the Colorado of the East. Um, they have a lot of young talent, and they're really exciting. And Josh is back. What up, Josh? And uh, you should unmute your mic because I talked about Portland's turf because New England's getting new turf. Oh. It's going to be like Portland's turf, and they're going to oh. have to play Thierry Henry at home now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a good reason to get real crap turf. <laughs> people people won't come play on your turf. Uh, All right. Well, Seattle, Seattle is not changing our turf. Seattle is not <laughs> changing its turf. We're going to go into our third year, even though the FO uh, was the last time around that uh, that was a mistake and that they definitely wanted to do it after two years this time, and they didn't, so we're all yeah. thrilled about that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, you've, I mean, the thing is that bad turf, like, 
the people who get beat up the most on bad turf are your own players. Exactly. That's the argument right? I've, I've tried <laughs> to make that argument. You know, you're like, oh, it's a good tactical advantage. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Great. So Portland has to play on our bad turf twice. Well, we have to play on it 17 times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, this year coming up, Portland only has to play on it once. Ah, that is that is true. Which is, which is good. The unbalanced. It's the magic of the unbalanced schedule. Um, you know, it's it's funny how big of a deal we made about the unbalanced schedule for the Cascadia Cup, and all three teams have won one year in a row, and it wasn't the the home team. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The team that got to play four home games. Exactly. Seattle was that team. We did not win the Cascadia Cup. Yeah. Um, Portland did actually, because it was yeah, your in two thousand in two thousand twelve. Yeah. What the, I think we have a good shot at, at retaining it in large part because Vancouver looks. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and hopefully next week, hopefully next week we'll have somebody come on and, and talk about that, which is a shame because Vancouver is one of my favorite teams in the league. Anything right, so else to uh, say about New England there? Um, I mean, I'm I'm game to answer any questions, but uh, that's about all all I've got. So. Okay, well, uh, you know, while we're still talking about Portland, I guess we can uh, talk about the rebrand this week. Yeah, or 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 not. I mean, or I not. Know. I mean, we they can, renamed we can spend the stadium. Thirty seconds. Yeah. Yeah, they made a really big deal out of renaming the stadium from Geldwin Field to Providence Park. And anybody who knows anything about companies in Portland knows that Geldwin is not doing very well. So, um, Geldwin Field is being renamed to Providence Park. Uh, anybody who knows anything about companies in Portland knows that Geldwin's not doing very well. They make doors and windows, um, but they're in a lot of trouble, and Providence is a healthcare company. The big thing about it is that it's a 15-year uh, sponsorship deal for the stadium, so I think it'll be more money in for both the Timbers and the Thorns, and maybe it'll help them build some new seats, because uh, I think we hit 11,000 on the season ticket waiting list, and um, everybody who's towards the end of that list, you should just give up. Just <laughs> give up, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure how much else there is to say. Uh, that's. There's really not. There's really, not not people, as big of a deal. <laughs> Mary yeah. Paulson made a huge deal out of it because he's Mary Paulson, and that's. Well, and everyone was. Does. I loved the ideas that were floating around about. Oh, right. you know, Merritt's gonna buy it from the city, and and he's gonna kick out the football team, and. Yeah. Uh, that was good stuff. No, no need. Uh let's see. You know, I'm just going to let you guys jump in on this. I'm not sure why Columbus Crew's crest is superior to all others. It isn't? <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I will hey. say, did, did you see all those redesigns that that guy had, had posted for they the were fantastic. Um, live club? Those were beautiful. I was beautiful. looking at those, and I was like, wow. They, I mean, how... So I see really amazing design um, just floated out for free on the internet. I don't know how it is that we wind up with so much ugly stuff in this league because fans are just cranking out. I mean, even the San Jose re rebrand that they came out with, you know, was it was awful. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, yeah, it's the, not, the not great. The single worst crest in MLS history. Wow. <laughs> well, the Reds, the Reds are still holding on to that. <laughs> Some bad ones out there, but but yeah, oh. it, I mean, there's so much really great stuff that that fans are. It, That's what happens are... when you listen to focus groups, though, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, and and since we're on the subject, we never get to do this. We can plug next week's podcast, where we're going to be talking to Zorangatang and the guy who's running the best crest competition, Stephen MC19, about all the design stuffs 
since it's still preseason, then it'll be awesome. I I put that thing in there about Columbus Crew because I really like the crest. I don't care what anybody else says. <laughs> I voted for them in the in the in the crest competition. They ended up getting the wild card out of the fourth fourth place in that group, which, I mean, I was really surprised by that. So you know, I Horrible. I don't know. I just I, I like it for sentimental reasons because we always beat Columbus in the 90s in the playoffs and when I was 6, 7, 8, 9 I thought it looked really cool so that is, that is the get focus. off my lawn that was the focus group that was the focus group they were like let's get some 8 year olds and mess them with the life and they drew that and now they're stuck with it oh, that's good Oh, man. <laughs> speaking of speaking of design, I, I really like the redesign of RMLS actually. Yeah, I yeah. I I agree with most of the comments that we saw uh, near the top about that the the comment padding was a little heavy. The padding, yeah, a little but much. honestly, overall, everything else I'm yeah. I'm thrilled with. It's it's a beautiful redesign. It's it seems sleek and modern and simple, and it's weird to talk about a subreddit like that, but. Uh, that's that's what it feels like. Yeah, it's slick. It's it's easier on the eyes, and whatever's easier on the eyes is best. So they did a good job there. And we'll instantly get to be talking to the guy who designed the logo next week, the Reddit MLS logo on the top yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that'll be fun. <clears throat> Which is the MLS logo. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still, but I'm. I'm I sure. like. We're friends. I like him a lot. I'm just throwing this out there. That is the MLS logo. <laughs> I'm, 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 sure, I'm sure he had a lot of other input into the design too, so we can talk sure. to him about that. Yeah, I, I, I like it. It's there. I like the colors. I don't. I, as it's been well noted here, I don't have the best opinions on design, but um, I, I enjoy it. All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to the uh, the design episode next week, and uh, let's wrap it up, guys. Do we, we have predictions this week? Oh, wow. oh man. Oh, forget about that. Yeah. Um, hmm, what's coming up this week? Um, my, bold, my bold prediction did not come true. I predicted we'd beat Toronto in that preseason game. That didn't happen. Um, how could you tell? Yeah. yeah, how could you see? It might, it might have happened. Who knows? I was really excited to watch Michael Bradley, and then I saw Fog. And then so, the, yeah. the stream was terrible quality, too. It was like 30 minutes yeah. back. And then I fell asleep, and then I woke up and... DC lost, and I was like, oh, well, these things happen. Um, I will go ahead and predict... Oh, what should I predict? I, I predict this is going to be the week when Matthias Laba um, finds where his home will be for the next season. For the forthcoming do want, season. Do you want to make a prediction on where? Uh, yeah, I predict it will be a Western Conference team, and it will be... Dallas? I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on Josh here, and I'm gonna say that my prediction is that it's San Jose. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna piggyback on this, and I'm gonna say that it's gonna be made on Friday. Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna piggyback. (laughs) Wait, I'm gonna piggyback on my own prediction and say it's Vancouver, so they keep him in the country. Oh, oh, and they do need some help. Yes. Yeah. Uh. I'm not gonna piggyback. You guys, you guys covered all the bases. Yeah, no. Pick the time. Pick the time of the announcement. <laughs> <laughs> 12:30. 7:32 and 19 seconds. And, yeah. All right. Um, so that that leaves me, and um, I predict that the Tar Heels will beat Duke tomorrow. Oh, this is a soccer podcast. Um, yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you um, live in Minnesota as well. I just yeah, but tomorrow's Carolina Duke Day. It's you know, it's a is national. That a national is that a national it's a, thing? It's a state holiday in North Carolina. It's a state holiday, right? Um, all right. I I am gonna predict though um, that speaking of North Carolina, um, Brad Knighton, who is the backup to Bobby Shuttleworth. I want to say I almost said Jesus Shuttleworth because of that basketball movie, but I didn't. Um, Brad Knight, who's the backup to Shuttleworth, will end up winning that goalie job from Shuttleworth and will take the revs to the conference final this year. That's going to happen this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I right. would like to see, I would like to see uh, some, some season-long predictions that maybe we can do uh, maybe the last the last cast before the season starts. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. I don't know if that's a programming note or if we should leave this in, but that's what I feel. We'll, we'll do it. Just, all, all of the listeners remind us when we forget. <laughs> we always forget. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we could do we could do like a, you know, kind of... Uh, we could do... Uh, you know what we should do is we should pick all the playoff teams from both conference. Oh. Yeah. And position? Uh, one to five. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. And yep. and Why trophy not? winners. Let's do it. Let's do it. I really feel like the U.S. Open Cup is a crapshoot. Um. That well, that's one word for it. I was gonna. I was gonna I call mean, it does, like a coin tossing have... contest. The, t- <laughs> the team that won it last year was very good at soccer. <laughs> <laughs> the team that won it last year was technically a soccer team. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I mean it's and that's why when people are like, oh, you think Portland will win the Open Cup? I was like, I maybe. I know that they want to win the Open Cup, um, but you know, I mean, it will probably be an MLS team. That's about the only prediction I'm willing to make there. <laughs> probably not going to be a USL team. So does it count as an MLS team if Orlando City wins it next year? They very well could. Ooh, question. Mm. I don't know. Ask I would Urban. say that. Like, like, do we take credit for that is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do yeah. we take credit for that or does Garber take credit? Because that's a different question. Garber, probably, Garber will always take credit for things. Well, yeah. I, I, I will go ahead and take a little bit of credit for since I said it now. Yeah, for the... predicting. <laughs> yeah. I think I think if Orlando won, you know how there's like children's books and then there's adult books and there's kind of like like preteen books, you know, like Twilight. It would be like Twilight. <laughs> That's okay. Not quite ready. I like that analogy. But it's still not a child anymore, but not quite ready to read Dostoevsky. Twilight. Um, you know, I, I think a Twilight analogy is as good of a place as any to close this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyone have anything uh, else to add? No. Nope, that's it. After, All right. After Fantastic. Twilight, I'm done. This, is, uh, this has been Slash MLS Podcast. Look forward to the uh, design cast next week, and uh, everybody have a good one.